Section 63 of Complete Original Short Stories of Guy de Maupassant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tatiana Chichilla, Columbus, Ohio. Section 63. A Queer Night in Paris. Maître Saval, notary at Vernon, was passionately fond of music. Although still young, he was already bald. He was always carefully shaven, was somewhat corpulent, as was suitable, and wore a gold pince-nez instead of spectacles. He was active, gallant, and cheerful, and was considered quite an artist in Vernon. He played the piano and the violin, and gave musicals where the new operas were interpreted. He had even what is called a bit of a voice, nothing but a bit, very little bit of a voice, but he managed it with so much taste that cries of bravo, exquisite, surprising, adorable, issued from every throat as soon as he had murmured the last note. He subscribed to a music publishing house in Paris, and they sent him the latest music, and from time to time he sent invitations after this fashion to the elite of the town. You are invited to be present on Monday evening at the house of Monsieur Saval, notary, Vernon, at the first rending ring of Say. A few officers, gifted with good voices, formed the chorus. Two or three lady amateurs also sang. The notary filled the part of leader of the orchestra with so much correctness that the bandmaster of the 190th Regiment of the Line said of him one day, at the Café de l'Europe, Oh, Monsieur Saval is a master. It is a great pity that he did not adopt the career of an artist. When his name was mentioned in a drawing-room, there was always somebody found to declare, He is not an amateur, he is an artist, a genuine artist. And two or three persons repeated in a tone of profound conviction, Oh, yes, a genuine artist, laying particular stress on the word genuine. Every time that a new work was interpreted at a big Parisian theatre, Monsieur Saval paid a visit to the capital. Now last year, according to his custom, he went to hear Henri VIII. He then took the express, which arrives in Paris at 4.30 p.m., intending to return by the 12.35 a.m. train, so as not to have to sleep at a hotel. He had put on evening dress, a black coat and white tie, which he concealed under his overcoat with the collar turned up. As soon as he set foot on the Rue d'Amsterdam, he found himself in quite a jovial mood. He said to himself, "'Decidedly, the air of Paris does not resemble any other air. It has in it something indescribably stimulating, exciting, intoxicating, which fills you with a strange longing to dance about and to do many other things.' As soon as I arrive here, it seems to me, all of a sudden, that I have taken a bottle of champagne. What a life one can lead in this city in the midst of artists! Happy are the elect, the great men who make themselves a reputation in such a city. What an existence is theirs! And he made plans. He would have liked to know some of these celebrated men, to talk about them in Vernon, and to spend an evening with them from time to time in Paris. But suddenly an idea struck him. He had heard allusions to little cafés in the outer boulevards at which well-known painters, men of letters, and even musicians gathered, and he proceeded to go up to Montmartre at a slow pace. He had two hours before him. He wanted to look about him. He passed in front of taverns frequented by belated bohemians, gazing at the different faces, seeking to discover the artists. Finally, he came to the sign of the dead rat, and, allured by the name, he entered. Five or six women, with their elbows resting on the marble tables, were talking in low tones about their love affairs, the quarrels of Lucy and Hortense, and the scoundrelism of Octave. They were no longer young, were too fat or too thin, tired out, used up. You could see that they were almost bald, and they drank beer like men. Monsieur Saval sat down at some distance from them and waited, for the hour for taking absinthe was at hand. A tall young man soon came in and took a seat beside him. The landlady called him Monsieur Romantin. The notary quivered. Was this the Romantin, who had taken a medal at the last salon? The young man made a sign to the waiter. You will bring up my dinner at once, and then carry to my new studio, 15 Boulevard de Clichy, 30 bottles of beer, and the ham I ordered this morning. We are going to have a housewarming. Monsieur Saval immediately ordered dinner. 
Then he took off his overcoat so that his dress suit and his white tie could be seen. His neighbor did not seem to notice him. He had taken up a newspaper and was reading it. Monsieur Saval glanced sideways at him, burning with the desire to speak to him. Two young men entered, in red vests and with peaked beards, in the fashion of Henry the Third. They sat down opposite Romantin. The first of the pair said, "'Is it for this evening?' Romantin pressed his hand. "'I believe you, old chap, and every one will be there. I have Bonat, Guillemet, Gervex, Berod, Herbe, Duez, Clairon, and Jean-Paul Laurent. It will be a stunning affair, and women, too. Wait till you see.' Every actress without exception. Of course, I mean, you know, all those who have nothing to do this evening. The landlord of the establishment came across. Do you often have this house warming? The painter replied, I believe you, every three months, each quarter. Monsieur Saval could not restrain himself any longer, and in a hesitating voice said, I beg your pardon for intruding on you, monsieur, but I heard your name mentioned, and I would be very glad to know if you really are Monsieur Romantin, whose work in the last salon I have so much admired. The painter answered, I am the very person, monsieur. The notary then paid the artist a very well-turned compliment, showing that he was a man of culture. The painter, gratified, thanked him politely in reply. Then they chattered. Romantin returned to the subject of his housewarming, going into details as to the magnificence of the forthcoming entertainment. Monsieur Saval questioned him as to all the men he was going to receive, adding, It would be an extraordinary piece of good fortune for a stranger to meet at one time so many celebrities assembled in the studio of an artist of your rank. Romantin, vanquished, replied, If it would be agreeable to you, come. Monsieur Saval accepted the invitation with enthusiasm, reflecting, I shall have enough time to see Henri Vieppe. Both of them had finished their meal. The notary insisted on paying the two bills, wishing to repay his neighbor's civilities. He also paid for the drinks of the young fellows in red velvet, then he left the establishment with the painter. They stopped in front of a very long, low house, the first story having the appearance of an interminable conservatory. Six studios stood in a row with their fronts facing the boulevards. Roman Tong was the first to enter, and, ascending the stairs, he opened a door and lighted a match and then a candle. They found themselves in an immense apartment, the furniture of which consisted of three chairs, two easels, and a few sketches standing on the ground along the walls. Monsieur Saval remained standing at the door, somewhat astonished. The painter remarked, "'Here you are. We've got to the spot, but everything has yet to be done.' Then, examining the high, bare apartment, its ceiling disappearing in the darkness, he said, "'We might make a great deal out of this studio.' He walked round it, surveying it with the utmost attention, then went on. "'I know someone who might easily give a helping hand. Women are incomparable for hanging drapery, but I sent her to the country for today in order to get her off my hands this evening.' It is not that she bores me, but she is too much lacking in the ways of good society. It would be embarrassing to my guests. He reflected for a few seconds, and then added, She is a good girl, but not easy to deal with. If she knew that I was holding a reception, she would tear out my eyes. Monsieur Saval had not even moved. He did not understand. The artist came over to him. Since I have invited you, you will assist me about something. The notary said emphatically, Make any use of me you please. I am at your disposal. Romantin took off his jacket. Well, citizen, to work. We are first going to clean up. He went to the back of the easel, on which there was a canvas representing a cat, and seized a very worn-out broom. I say, just brush up while I look after the lighting. Monsieur Saval took the broom, inspected it, and began to sweep the floor very awkwardly, raising a whirlwind of dust. Romantin, disgusted, stopped him. Deuce take it, if you don't know how to sweep the floor. Look at me. And he began to roll before him a heap of grayish sweepings, as if he had done nothing else all his life. Then he gave back the broom to the notary, who imitated him. In five minutes, such a cloud of dust filled the studio that Romantin asked, 
Where are you? I can't see you any longer. Monsieur Saval, who was coughing, came near to him. The painter said, How would you set about making a chandelier? The other, surprised, asked, What chandelier? Why, a chandelier to light the room, a chandelier with wax candles. The notary did not understand. He answered, I don't know. The painter began to jump about, cracking his fingers. Well, Monseigneur, I have found out a way. Then he went on more calmly. Have you got five francs about you? Monsieur Saval replied, Why, yes. The artist said, Well, you'll go out and buy for me five francs worth of wax candles while I go and see the cooper. And he pushed the notary in his evening coat into the street. At the end of five minutes they had returned, one of them with the wax candles and the other with the hoop of a cask. Then Romantin plunged his hand into a cupboard and drew forth twenty empty bottles, which he fixed in the form of a crown around the hoop. He then went downstairs to borrow a ladder from the janitress, after having explained that he had made interest with the old woman by painting the portrait of her cat exhibited on the easel. When he returned with the ladder, he said to Monsieur Saval, "'Are you active?' The other, without understanding, answered, "'Why, yes.' "'Well, you just climb up there and fasten the chandelier for me to the ring of the ceiling. Then you put a wax candle in each bottle and light it. I tell you, I have a genius for lighting up. But off with your coat, damn it. You are just like a Jim's.' The door was opened brusquely. A woman appeared, her eyes flashing, and remained standing on the threshold. Romantin gazed at her with a look of terror. She waited some seconds, crossing her arms over her breast, and then in a shrill, vibrating, exasperated voice said, "'Ha! You dirty scoundrel! Is this the way you leave me?' Romantin made no reply. She went on, "'Ha! You scoundrel! You did a nice thing in parking me off to the country. You'll soon see the way I'll settle your jollification!' Yes, I'm going to receive your friends. She grew warmer. I'm going to slap their faces with the bottles and the wax candles. Romantin said in a soft tone, Mathilde. But she did not pay any attention to him. She went on, Wait, my fine fellow, wait a little. Romantin went over to her and tried to take her by the hands. Mathilde. But she was now fairly under way, and on she went, emptying the vials of her wrath with strong words and reproaches. They flowed out of her mouth like a stream sweeping a heap of filth along with it. The words pouring forth seemed struggling for exit. She stuttered, stammered, yelled, suddenly recovering her voice to cast forth an insult or a curse. He seized her hands without her having noticed it. She did not seem to see anything, so taken up was she in scolding and relieving her feelings, and suddenly she began to weep. The tears flowed from her eyes, but this did not stop her complaints. But her words were uttered in a screaming falsetto voice with tears in it and interrupted by sobs. She commenced afresh twice or three times, till she stopped as if something were choking her, and at last she ceased with a regular flood of tears. Then he clasped her in his arms and kissed her hair, affected himself. Mathilde, my little Mathilde, listen, you must be reasonable. You know, if I give a supper party to my friends, it is to thank these gentlemen for the medal I got at the salon. I cannot receive women. You ought to understand that. It is not the same with artists as with other people. She stammered in the midst of her tears. Why didn't you tell me this? He replied, It was in order not to annoy you, not to give you pain. Listen, I'm going to see you home. You will be very sensible, very nice. You will remain quietly waiting for me in bed, and I'll come back as soon as it's over. She murmured, Yes, but you will not begin over again? No, I swear to you. He turned toward Monsieur Saval, who had at last hooked on the chandelier. My dear friend, I am coming back in five minutes. If anyone arrives in my absence, do the honors for me, will you not? and he carried off Mathilde, who kept drying her eyes with her handkerchief as she went along. Left to himself, Monsieur Saval succeeded in putting everything around him in order. Then he lighted the wax candles and waited. He waited for a quarter of an hour, half an hour, an hour. 
Romantin did not return. Then, suddenly, there was a dreadful noise on the stairs, a song shouted out in chorus by twenty mouths, and a regular march like that of a Prussian regiment. The whole house was shaken by the steady tramp of feet. The door flew open, and a motley throng appeared, men and women in file, two and two holding each other by the arm, and stamping their heels on the ground to mark time, advanced into the studio like a snake uncoiling itself. They howled, "'Come and let us all be merry, pretty maids and soldiers gay.' Monsieur Saval, thunderstruck, remained standing in evening dress under the chandelier. The procession of revellers caught sight of him and uttered a shout, "'Ajims! Ajims!' And they began whirling around him, surrounding him with a circle of vociferations. Then they took each other by the hand and went dancing about madly. He attempted to explain, "'Messieurs! Messieurs! Mesdames!' But they did not listen to him. They whirled about, they jumped, they brawled. At last the dancing ceased. Monsieur Saval said, "'Gentlemen!' A tall young fellow, fair-haired and bearded to the nose, interrupted him. "'What's your name, my friend?' The notary, quite scared, said, "'I am Monsieur Saval.' A voice exclaimed, "'You mean Baptiste!' A woman said, "'Let the poor waiter alone. You'll end by making him get angry.' He's paid to wait on us, and not to be laughed at by us. Then Monsieur Saval noticed that each guest had brought his own provisions. One held a bottle of wine, and the other a pie. This one had a loaf of bread, one had a ham. The tall, fair young fellow placed in his hands an enormous sausage and gave orders. Here, go and arrange the sideboard in the corner there. Put the bottles on the left and the provisions at the right. Saval, getting quite distracted, exclaimed, But, messieurs, I am a notary. There was a moment's silence, and then a wild outburst of laughter. One suspicious gentleman asked, "'How came you to be here?' He explained, telling about his project of going to the opera, his departure from Vernon, his arrival in Paris, and the way in which he had spent the evening. They sat around him to listen to him, they greeted him with words of applause, and called him Scheherazade. Romantin did not return. Other guests arrived. Monsieur Saval was presented to them so that he might begin his story over again. He declined. They forced him to relate it. They seated and tied him on one of the three chairs between two women who kept constantly filling his glass. He drank, he laughed, he talked, he sang, too. He tried to waltz with his chair and fell on the ground. From that moment he forgot everything. It seemed to him, however, that they undressed him, put him to bed, and that he was nauseated. When he awoke it was broad daylight, and he lay stretched with his feet against a cupboard in a strange bed. An old woman with a broom in her hand was glaring angrily at him. At last she said, "'Clear out, you blackguard! Clear out!' What right has anyone to get drunk like this? He sat up in bed, feeling very ill at ease. He asked, Where am I? Where are you, you dirty scamp? You are drunk. Take your rotten carcass out of here as quick as you can, and lose no time about it. He wanted to get up. He found that he was in no condition to do so. His clothes had disappeared. He blurted out, Madame, I... Then he remembered. What was he to do? He asked, Did Monsieur Romantin come back? The doorkeeper shouted, "'Will you take your dirty carcass out of this, so that he at any rate may not catch you here?' Monsieur Saval said, in a state of confusion, "'I haven't got my clothes. They have been taken away from me.' He had to wait to explain the situation, give notice to his friends, and borrow some money to buy clothes. He did not leave Paris till evening, and when people talk about music to him in his beautiful drawing-room in Vernon, he declares with an air of authority that painting is a very inferior art.' End of section 63. Recording by Tatiana Chichilla, Columbus, Ohio.